BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. This is the right thing to do, even though it's a hard thing to do. Of course, I'll give your love to, to Amy and Viv and Hank. All right. Love you, Mom. We'll talk on Thanksgiving. Bye-bye. The sigh. Oh, my goodness, the sigh. Can we just give Mayor Lori Lightfoot an Oscar right now? Just close down the competition. <laughs> just close it down. That sigh alone. Right now, Meryl Streep is going, God, I wish I could sigh like Mayor Lori Lightfoot. Brad Pitt is saying, what does it take to sigh like Mayor Lori Lightfoot? If you want to talk about a separate issue, there will be a time and a place for that. But you are out of order, sir. You're out of order, sir. That's Brad Pitt Fire. talk. Six show Lopez. You are out of order. That's who she was talking to, ladies and gentlemen. Alderman Byers. And Six <laughs> By the way, we could do a, I should do a column on who, which alderman annoys Mayor Lori Lightfoot the most. Right now, I think at the top of the list would probably be Jeanette Taylor, JT. What up, JT? But I don't know. Byron Cisco Lopez, always hovering right there. Right there in the, as uh, Michael Girardi would say, in the mayoral oh, sweet that, spot. That, I wanna be. that Waggis Pack can be a rascal sometimes too. Now, yeah, he's a, he, he, she loves Scotty. Come on. <laughs> Your Vendorowski show for Tuesday, June 29th is brought to you by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Federation of Labor, and yes, the Chicago Reader, chicagoreader.com for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. So many things. And political columns from our very own Ben Jarofsky and our colleague Maya Duke Masava. ChicagoReader.com. Subscribe to the reader. And if you want to help out this program, you can. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. J O R A V is in victory, S K Y. And you can become a bin head. Find out more information. ChicagoReader.com forward slash Jarofsky. It is Tuesday, June 29th, and live from my apartment in Chicago and his attic, also in Chicago. This is the Ben Jarofsky Show. Today on the program, the return of Easy, former Chicago Tribune writer Eric Zorn. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Jarofsky here. We're calling this Don't Know What to Do Tuesday. And here's why. I'll tell you why I'm calling it that. Because I don't know what to do. I'm supposed to know what to do at all times. In my life, as a columnist, as a great thinker. But I do not know what to do. But before I get to that, D, did you have a good weekend? Well, yes, I did. Yes, I did have a good weekend. Yes, yes. I went kids. back home for a little bit. That was nice. Which gives me this opportunity to give a shout out to DJ Nate. Uh, Dr. D took a much deserved couple days off, went home, uh, hung out at Fast Eddie's and Slow Johnny's, his two <laughs> favorite taverns uh, when he's in Alton. Uh, got just uh, 
knocked down, fall in the mud, drunk every day. Well, I did uh, ride my bike and fell off my on my bike. Look at my arm here. See that? Oh my God! Whoa! Did that happen in Alton? Or yeah, that happened in Alton. You know, can I just say this, Mayor Billy Bob down in Alton? You got to pave those streets, man. Come on, Come Billy on. Bob. Are you okay? Yeah, we're good. All good, buddy. I'm going to just share something. As I get older, I become more and more like my mom. So I called Dennis this morning, uh, and he wasn't immediately available. I sound like a paranoid. Are you okay? Are you in a ditch? I'm sending him texts. Where are you? Are you okay? And he's like, oh, my God. This guy's even worse than a boomer. (laughs) He's becoming a great generationer. Where is he? Where's my Dr. D? I didn't know you felt that way, Ben. I didn't know you felt that way, so I'm... (laughs) I'm sorry, and I'll be, you know, in contact more. I was just sleeping, feeling sleepy. Asleep. <laughs> Jay, I'm going to tell you something. This is something that comes with getting older. I'm going to just break it to you right now. Suddenly, you get paranoid and weirded about, about things like, where is he? He should be <laughs> answering his phone right now. Where is he? He's in a ditch. And it turns out you did fall off your bike. Turning to my mother. Mom, I love you. I'm turning into you. Anyway, uh, where was I? I got distracted. I want to give a shout out uh, to DJ Nate, uh, Dr. DJ Nate, as uh, we like to call him on the oh, show. Wow. <laughs> Everybody's a doctor in the bedroom. You know, we don't pay you a lot of money, so we just give you a PhD or an MD <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, you're a doctor. Oh, thank you. And if you're like from the South, we call you Colonel. For a while, we were thinking of calling him Colonel Dennis. <laughs> Colonel Dennis. He's from Kentucky. Anyway, uh, DJ Nate did an outstanding job substituting for. Did, did you hear the, uh, shot, the 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 intro? I sent that to you on the weekend. I don't know if you had a chance to hear it. I need to you? check it out. I'll check it out. Sorry. Yeah, he did a good job, and uh, he goes sitting in for the great Doctor D. Oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, he did a great. So DJ Nate did a great job, folks. One more time, a little shout out for DJ Nate. Uh, you got a wedding, you got a bar mitzvah, you got a confirmation, you got a big party. You need a DJ? Call DJ Nate. All right. All right. All right. Uh, went to a movie theater. Really? Yes. I actually went to a movie theater. I went to the Smart People Movie Theater. It's a theater on the corner of Clark and Diversity. I call it the Smart People Theater because they generally show like off of the not big box office blockbusters, but like quiet movies that only smart people see. So you have to take a test to get in to see the movie. I had to take the SAT. Fortunately, my wife was taking the test uh, the same time I did. I cheated on her. Anyway, I went to Smart People <laughs> Theater and and I saw uh, In the Heights, uh, which I enjoyed immensely. Hope uh, I urge everybody to uh, check it out. Only about five other people in the theater. I wore a mask the whole time. We're going to get into this a little while later. I'm still very concerned about the virus. I don't. I had the shot. I don't care, folks. I'm still wearing that freaking mask. I go to a movie theater. I go to a jewel. I go to the library. I go anywhere. I'm wearing that mask. I'm in the train. I'm wearing that mask. Go to a White Sox game. I'm wearing a mask. Anyway, Lynn Emanuel Miranda himself thanked me, the uh, writer, producer of, uh, he's also in the movie of In the Heights. Uh, thank you, Benny J. Not really, just a tape generic thanks to oh. everybody who uh, he walked Thought in. he like, listen to the mind, show. In my mind, he was like, he was speaking to me directly. Oh, I love that Miles Conflassen. Bring him back. <laughs> By the way, Miles has got some cooking. I meant to reach out to Miles D., uh, Miles is folks. I know this is not a great promotion of what Miles is doing. Miles Conflassen in these times editor, a great leftist writer and thinker in the city of Chicago, but he's got a show tonight and I meant to plug it, but now I care. I don't have any of the oh, details. Boy. All right. I'll, <laughs> I'll go to work here. Yeah. We'll get it to you, Miles. Anyway, 
I woke up to see the newspapers uh, filled with stories about crime, shootings, murders, people afraid. It's like uh, a ritual now. Uh, every uh, After every weekend, we tally up the toll, the number of shootings, the number of people shot, the number of killings, and then they're presented on the front page, trying to make sense of it. Uh, there really is nothing that you can make of it. There's no, it, 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 it like, there is no sense to be made of it. I feel like being tugged back and forth in a time machine's of sort for a brief moment post George Floyd murder. The prevailing opinion in this country was to cut crime by cutting the police, defund the police. And now the mainstream wing of the Democratic Party realizes or has come to the conclusion that's a losing issue at the polls and they pulled back. They want nothing to do with defund the police. The winning candidate, the New York mayoral primary, the New York Democratic mayoral primary was Eric Adams, a Democratic, a Democrat running on a law and order message. But also criticizing police abuse of black people. He was a black man running very much as a black police officer who knows what it's like to be harassed by police, but still running very much as a police officer. Let's keep that clear. He was running as a police officer. That was a big part of his appeal. He got over 30% of the vote in the Democratic primary. He won a majority of the black vote. All the columnists in the country now tell me there's a lesson to be learned from this. The people don't want to fund the police. The people don't believe in it. They don't like the concept. It Politically, it's a losing proposition for Democrats because it's easy for Republicans running on a law and order message to win over swing voters. Don't use it. They're all so certain of themselves. They mock to fund the police activists. They make fun of them. Who came up with this idea? What a dumb idea. Drop it right now. If I've read it once, I've read it a dozen times. I can't find anybody in a newspaper calling for defund the police, at least in a mainstream newspaper. There's that old joke from a long, long time ago. Neoconservatives are liberals who were mugged. There's a lot of truth. That rumor is crime goes up, people get scared, and they become more conservative. I'm now going to read to you, as case in point, a story in today's New York Times. Police to, quote, flood Times Square after bullet hits tourist. Here's the lead. Dozens of additional police officers, some working undercover, will be dispatched to Times Square, Mayor Bill de Blasio said, a day a Monday, a day after a tourist was struck by a stray bullet in broad daylight. The shooting, the second in Times Square in two months, came amid an increase in gun violence in New York City that began during the pandemic and has not subsided and led to chaos in the iconic tourist destination at a time when the city is seeking to lure back visitors. In May, stray bullets fired during a dispute struck three bystanders in Times Square, including a four-year-old child. At a news conference on Monday, Mayor de Blasio said he was going to, quote, flood the zone, unquote, with police following Sunday shooting, quote, the bottom line is we're going to flood the zone in Times Square with additional offers to make sure this situation resolved once and for all. Flood the zone. I'll just remind you, um, Bill de Blasio was the same man who, what was it, back in 2013, ran a campaign uh, dedicated to the theme that we should stop mass police arrest. The police have gone too far. Now he's going the other way, talking about flooding the zone. Who can make sense of this, folks? At the same time, Buffalo, India Walton, elected mayor, or she won the Democratic primary. Uh, she's very much a Democratic socialist and proud of it. She's running not so much on the issue of defund the police, but reallocate police budget, massaging the message a little bit while scrambling to figure out just what the hell to do. Because, folks, despite all the rhetoric, 
People don't know what to do. You know, you got your biases and your opinions. You're like, defund the police is a terrible concept. Yeah, clearly it's not a very popular concept. But the notion of spending other money, spending money on social services, we should not lose sight of that. We should not lose sight of that as crime goes. It shouldn't always be the knee-jerk reaction just to bring out more police officers, flood the zone with police officers. Shouldn't be our knee-jerk reaction. We shouldn't go from one extreme to the other. Let me take a moment to reflect and think that we don't have all the answers. This thing was easy. It would have been solved years ago. We got a great show today, everybody. Eric Zorn. Yes, that Eric Zorn, Chicago Tribune. Well, Hold on, D. Take that out when we do the uh, yeah. the drop later on today. Former Chicago Tribune columnist. Hard to, hard not to call Eric Zorn a Tribune columnist. You know what's funny, D? Uh, when the word broke uh, that Eric was uh, leaving the Tribune, that he was uh, taking the buyout from Alden, the evil emperor that's taken over the Chicago Tribune, uh, I immediately reached out to him and said, best of luck to you, young man. Anytime you want to come on the show, come on the show. And he said, yeah, I'll come on the show. Let's do it after I'm done being a columnist. I've seen him. He's been doing a victory trot on every show. <laughs> I don't feel so special anymore, D. We just got to come up with some questions that you know he hasn't been asked. You know what I mean? Mm, oh, I know he hasn't been asked about the Chicago Bulls. Oh, there you go. I mean, I, I, you know, we should just have a basketball conversation. Ask him what he had for dinner last night. I guarantee no one's asked him that. I could be, I'm not sure if it'll be good. But. By the way, he just sent me a text. No Google link yet. Oh, I've sent him like three. <laughs> Let me hold on. I'll text him back. Uh, reach out again. No other show that he has ever been on had a host reach out to him. Dennis sent three. Here, I'm sending it right to him. Dennis and a fourth to boot. Three. And, and Eric's supposed to be like the smart millennial when it comes to computers and stuff. He's always proud of that because he was way ahead of me, which isn't really saying anything. By the way, a couple of announcements oh. while we make uh, for Eric. Oh, I think also, I'm allowed to. Also, too, uh, Miles Camp-Lassen's thing was last night. But uh, go check it out on Twitch, all right? <laughs> Meanwhile in Chicago, it's called. Uh, just put in Meanwhile in Chicago, put in Miles' name, and uh, you can probably check that out. You know, that is. <laughs> Miles camp that's a confession of how bad I am at social media. Okay, I do look at my Facebook page like, I don't know, a couple times a day, maybe. I haven't really figured out how Facebook works, but there's always something that pops up on my screen. I'm not quite sure how it gets there. And it was miles. So I didn't even look at the data. I go, oh, well, if it just popped up on my screen. Well, I tell you what. Uh, oh, sorry. You wanted to do some uh, some shout outs, right? Yes, I do. Uh, but uh, anyway, folks, so you can't see, see Miles show next month. Um, so I guess we can let the this cat out of the bag. Oh, uh, yesterday I got word from Tracy Bay, uh, publisher of the Chicago reader that we have a new sponsor. Chicago teachers union is kicking a little bit. D is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it, yeah. Chicago teachers union. I heard both fast Eddie's and slow Johnny's are maybe sponsors coming up. So. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Bars in Alton, which I'm not even sure even exists by the way. Uh, I think Dennis was teasing me when he said there's a bar called slow Johnny's. <laughs> Uh, I think his father used to uh, frequent uh, back in the good old days. Uh, but anyway, I want to shout out to the Chicago Teachers Union. And, uh, you know, some uh, friends of mine of the uh, mainstream uh, newspaper persuasion were going, Ben, how can you remain objective if you're taking money, if your show is taking money from the Chicago Teachers Union? And I'm like, well, first of all, the concept of objectivity is one I've always wrestled with. But the reality is I was for the Teachers Union before the people running the Teachers Union were for the Teachers Union. 
You know, I think that if you're worried about me and like, I don't know, not putting my teacher, I love teachers hard on my sleeve out front where everybody could see it. What do they say? That boat left the harbor years ago. My mother was a school teacher. The real question some activists said to me yesterday was, what took the teachers union so long? Just teasing. I love you, Chicago Teachers Union. Thank you very much. Uh, everybody, wait. Uh, oh, Eric just pressed back. He must be using the wrong email because I did get a link to the show YouTube only. Yeah, hmm. I sent it to his Gmail account. Boy, we are breaking the fourth wall today. Huh? Oh, here, I'm going to send it to him. He sent it to your Gmail account. I'm writing it to him. He sent it to How's it going, everybody? Your you guys good? Gmail. Good, good weekend, listeners? Right. Good? Yeah. All right. There you go. All right. <laughs> there he is. All right. What? <laughs> Some guys struggle with social media and the internet. Young Eric Zorn was always very proud of the fact that he was good with it, but uh, he stumbled a little bit coming out of the gates on that one, but we love him anyway. We forgive him. Uh, but anyway, so I just want to finish that announcement. Thank you very much, Chicago Teachers Union. Thank you very much, Chicago Federation of Labor. And thank you very much, uh, SEIU Healthcare. Uh, those are our sponsors. Those are the people who help pay the bills uh, so that we can pay our enormous staff like Dennis and Dr. DJ Nate and all the thousands of others who work in the newsroom uh, and make it all possible. So thank you very much. I appreciate it. And you don't have to worry. I'll be who I am with my big mouth getting me in trouble uh, going forward. I can guarantee you that. Uh, so anyway, without further ado, let's bring Eric Zorn on. Let's not take a break. Eric, welcome to the show, young man. We got uh, you on mute. Uh, yeah. Oh. Oh, wow. Try to mm. try to call try to hit us right back and then uh maybe it'll give you the option to turn your mic on. That's happened before. Yeah. Cool. I cool. can see his lips moving. Yeah, yeah. But no sound is coming out. And I think he could hear us. Eric, not if you can hear me. How's this now? Is this any Boom. Oh my god. We're in business. See, I got a problem. I got I got one of these fancy microphones like you have. Uh -huh. It doesn't it, it seems to crash my computer periodically. Mm. And so that's what's been happening to me. So but uh, here I am. Yeah, here you are. Talk. Uh, ready to talk, and I'm just happy that you're here. So all's well that ends well. Uh, and uh, the people who listen to our show live are used to all kinds of bumps uh, and potholes in the show. And so uh, sometimes we take them out when we do the uh, podcast, Eric, and sometimes we just leave them in there. All right, young man, you are now for the first time in, what, 30 years, not employed by the Chicago Tribune. In general, how does it feel? Do you feel liberated or do you miss it? <clears throat> Good question, Ben. Good question. <laughs> Obviously a listener to the Ben Jarofsky show channeling his inner Hillary Clinton. Go ahead, Eric. <laughs> I, I feel uh, fairly liberated right now. Actually, I feel like it's, it's, um, it's a time where I can get away from the, the grind of three deadlines, three column deadlines a week and to start pursuing other opportunities as they may present themselves none have so far <laughs> but it's only been a few days so first of all this is an opportunity the ben jarofsky show are you kidding me uh the cash well, notice that i notice that, that i lunged at it so yeah he did. he did he lunged at it uh so all right let's talk a little bit about the uh 
the decision making process uh, that you were uh, confronted with, what was about a month or so ago, uh, that led to you to take the buyout. So lead us through it. What what literally what did was the decision that you had to make? Go ahead. Well, I can t- I'll take this back to like 2007 when the buyout offers first really started coming fairly regularly at the Tribune and. And at that time, I decided, uh, my wife, Johanna, supporting me the whole way, which is I'm going to stick this out. I'm going to ride. I know things are tough in the newspaper business, but I really like this job. And if they're going to fire me, then they'll fire me. And we'll take the chance that I will outlast the buyout terms. Basically, you know, it's, you know the terms of, of these buyouts is that they, they essentially pay you money to go away. Right? They give you a, a certain amount of your salary, and it's, it's fairly generous this time. And um, so I've been turning those down all the way up until February of this year. We had a buyout offer. That was the one that Blair Kamen took uh, and Gary Marks, uh, two real luminaries at the Tribune. And what happened this time was that we have been feeling this this, uh, looming threat of a takeover by Alden Global Capital. This is a company that has purchased a bunch of newspapers around the country and has uh, basically cut their newsrooms down to uh, bare minimums in most cases. And I was keeping a very close eye on that and wondering what the future was going to hold. Uh, I think it was a Friday that, that the deal kind of finally went through. We kept hoping that maybe some deep pocketed Chicago one would buy the Tribune and there would be, there would be some, uh, you know, way, way that we could we could uh, I mean, it was this was being held out as a possibility in Baltimore as well that that Alden would not take over the Tribune and that we would be able to continue more or less as we were and and Friday the deal finally went all the way through and Alden took full control of the company then on Monday email went out and they offered buyouts to non-union people uh, which was uh, they were still working out the details of the buyout offer to union people at the time but it was clearly like as soon as they got control of the of the paper they decided they were going to cut staff pretty dramatically and and then and shortly thereafter the the offer to the union came it was very similar to the one to management and this started of course everybody worrying and thinking about what the future is going to hold <clears throat> i took some time to do some sort of deep research into what the role of opinion is at Alden papers around the country, um, papers like the Denver Post, to see do they keep a stable of opinion columnists on staff and what is their prominence at the paper and so on. And my conclusion after looking at that is that really they don't have a lot of appetite for local opinion columns and that they tend to outsource them to you know, people like like David Grising writes a column for the Tribune. And you, you know, David, he's a former business columnist for the for the Tribune, and, and then he moved on and he, he runs the Better Government Association. He writes a column for us, and it's it's a volunteer effort. I'm sure he's paid by the Better Government Association to do it, but it, it runs in the Tribune. And David's a smart guy, and it's a good column. And and uh, I, I have no problem with that. But but that is their model: is that they find interested people in the community who would love to write a column for free every couple weeks or so and they and they fill their op-ed pages with that and with syndicated content for the most part so i was looking sort of down the line at this and thinking like i don't think that there's going to be a role for certainly for all of the opinion columns so we have we have a ton or we had a ton i should say at, at the tribune and i was thinking that well you know it's it's probably time to think about uh taking one of these buyout offers my my idea to go down with the ship seemed foolish at that point that they were making a pretty generous offer and I thought, well, I'm 63. I got 
time to maybe do some other things. And I believe the writing is on the wall. I believe there's a target on my back, frankly. And so I made the decision along with a bunch of my colleagues, Mary Schmeek, Steve Chapman, Donnelly Glanton, um, uh, Heidi Stevens, and uh, of course, John Cass left also. So, you know, Rex Hupke did a column today where he says, you know, he's the, he's the senior Metro columnist at, at the Tribune now. And, of course, my answer to that is yes, but you're also the junior Metro columnist at the Tribune because we don't have any other Metro columnists at the Tribune anymore. So uh, uh, basically we all we all bailed out at once. And uh, and so that was the decision process. I thought, well, um, you know, this year is going to go fast and I'm not going to be making any money after that, but there are other opportunities out there. And if there's not, you know, I can work on playing some fiddle tunes and I'll still, I'll still be happy. So <laughs> got to work in that jump shot, Eric. All right. Um, by the way, a shout out, let's give a shout out to Rex W. Hupke. It was hilarious. This is not a farewell column. I'm really sorry. So off we go. That's a headline. Uh, Rex Hupke, as Eric pointed out, is the last remaining uh, local columnist at the Chicago Tribune. Uh, and so he did his column as a Q&A. And the first question uh, is, are you taking the buyout? And he goes, and his answer is no. Again, I'm very sorry. And then the second question, is there any way we convince you to take the buyout? Uh, and so it's, it's classic Rex Hupke where he makes fun of himself. He's very good at that. And he's a very funny columnist. Uh, Eric, you said something that I took note of and I wrote it down. And I'll follow up and get you uh, to take the deep dive on it. You said, quote, uh, the writing was on the wall. A target on my back. What did you mean by that? A target on your back? Well, I mean that when you are a, a columnist of a certain age, making a certain income at at an Alden newspaper or at a, man, many newspapers these days, is they are really looking to cut salary. They're looking to cut you know, cut their expenses way down so they can continue to make money. And so when you have a bunch of us at the paper who are of a certain age, who are um, making a certain amount of money, and they can dramatically cut their payroll by getting rid of us. Uh, it, it was almost like this particular buyout offer had my name on it. <laughs> it was like, Hey, you know, you've been around a long time. We got a lot of money for you if you want to walk out the door. And I'm thinking, well, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe it's time to do that. And, um, you know, it wasn't easy because I got to say, I mean, honestly, I, I love the job. I love being a columnist and I know you love being a columnist. You love having a voice. You love, and it's, and it's, 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 difficult sometimes it's always challenging but boy maybe the best job in the world to, have, to be a columnist to have an audience to interact with an audience to start conversations to to make people think in new ways about about topics and and uh i mean boy it's it, it's a really really hard job to give up and it's because you have this connection with the audience and you have this this opportunity every week a new opportunity to to say what you think needs to be said so it's a really tough really tough gig to give up and so that, that made it very difficult. And if, and if they had given me any indication that they'd wanted me to stay, like if they had said, you know, I know it looks like this buyout was written. It looks like it was the Eric Zorn commemorative buyout. It really is. Really, we'd really like you to stay. I, I'd have stayed. I would have taken my chances if I had been given, uh, you know, a nod and a wink. But they don't do that. And yeah. so I, uh, I, I saw the writing on the wall. I saw the target on my back. And I, you know, I, uh, I'm gone. Yeah, I'm going. Wow. Well, I, I could tell you, uh, I've been in the same boat uh, that you've been in uh, with my life at the reader, uh, many different owners uh, in and out of bankruptcy. Uh, we currently have stability and we have a totally new model that we're following, which 
uh, get into later. Uh, but the point is, um, I always, I was never offered a buyout. You know, it's really weird. It's just listen to your recitation, uh, like a standing offer for tribute employees from 2007 on. Uh, I was never offered a buyout at the reader. I just thought they would fire me. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> at one point. And I was like, people were like, I go to the bowling alley on Monday night. Go, How are you doing, man? You still writing for that newspaper? I go, well, at the moment. Yeah. You know, but talk to me next week. Uh, who knows what's going to happen? As well, said, that was, yeah. well, you know, our, and, and as you know, things the reader had been tough. I mean, our, our mutual friend, Allison True, uh, was the editor of the reader, and they just laid her off abruptly. So that does happen in our business. And so, and, and this is what I was considering when I was thinking about taking this buyout was, if I don't take this buyout, they could turn around in August and say, hey, you know what, we didn't make our number, and we need you know, we need to t- subtract your salary from the bottom line. And here's, here's four weeks severance or something. Yeah. You're out of here. And I could, you know, that could happen uh, or, right now. Or we, they would switch your, your beat. In other yeah. words, they would say, we can't afford to have you be a columnist anymore. We want you to cover, I don't know, I don't know what the tribute would put its priorities on crime, uh, cover politics or business. I don't know what they would direct you to do, but you get what I'm saying. They'd take your column away and make you a beat reporter. They could. The union had, uh, we, there was some protection right now go, with the union, but yes, that could also happen too. They'd say, you know, we don't, we want you to be an, we want you to be an editor. We want you to be, yeah. I mean, any number of things could have happened. So, so I just decided it was uh, not worth taking the chance that uh, uh, this was a pretty good buyout offer. And so, yeah, <laughs> it just seemed like, it seemed like the smart thing to do. Yeah. And, and my wife, Johanna, was all behind me on this this time, yeah. too. So, Well, by the way, uh, shout out to Allison True. She's done very well for herself, uh, post-reader. But, man, that wasn't, that wasn't a layoff. That that was speaking euphemistically. That was a cold-blooded hit, what happened to Allison True. And it was really low and dirty, and she didn't deserve it, et cetera, and so forth. But that's what I'm saying, Eric. That was like three regimes ago. I can't re- yes. I would have to sit here and think how many different – uh, owners have we been through at the reader before we have the stability that we have now? And I, I, I don't know if I could do it right now and I'm not going <laughs> to subject my audience to that. Was it creative? Uh, was it creative loafing? Was it, was, were those, the I think it was the group after creative loafing. Oh. Uh, uh, yeah, it was the group. It was a hedge, a hedge fund as I want. I want to say it was a hedge fund. Uh, all right. So when I bring on my, uh, lefty friends, and I have a lot of them and they come on the show all the time. And we talk about, let's say Detroit, what's happened to Detroit. Uh, and I'm thinking of you, Sam Holloway right now. And, and he'll say capitalism, Ben is what happened to Detroit. And so when I think of the Chicago tribune, and now you're free to say whatever you want. So you, you can agree with me or vehemently disagree with me. We'll see what happens with this one. When I think of the Chicago tribune, I have like a point, a starting point. I had a friend who worked for the tribune. And in the 90s, she was telling me, Ben, you should invest in Tribune stock. We are going to be uh, at the forefront of a new world in media. We're going to, we're buying, I think they had just purchased the LA Times. They were building this huge national brand. Uh, They were thinking of like, it it would, they would have newspapers and internet, et cetera, and so forth. And it's like been all, I did not purchase the stock, Eric, just so you know. Uh, I just, I didn't, I, I have my issues with the Tribune, but anyway, I, so I didn't purchase the stock and it's been kind of downhill since then. And when I think about what happened to the Tribune and other newspapers, uh, I have a very Sam Holloway leftist perspective. What went wrong? Capitalism. I think it's Sam Zell buying, borrowing so much money against the Tribune 
and then paying back with cutoffs, trying to pay it back with cutoffs and salary cuts, et cetera, and so forth. That's the lefty in me. Do you buy into that or do you disagree with the notion that there's something structurally wrong with capitalism today that newspapers can no longer remain profitable? Well, I do buy into some of that argument. I know one of the things, of course, happened to Tribune and all, and basically all newspapers was the internet. You know, we, Craigslist took away all of our classified ads and Fandango and those places took away all of our movie ads. And just this, this direct marketing ability of social media to target specific members of the audience with targeted ads uh, took away a lot of what we, we were trying to get at. So, so yeah, we've seen a decline in circulation as people are doing more reading on their phones and, and doing more reading across the country. And we've, I mean, it's just like, it's been a, a bunch of different punches thrown at newspapers over the years. And, and, you know, it's, I know you get home delivery and I, and we still get home delivery, but a lot of people don't anymore. They don't see any need for it. And, because they're, they're getting their information otherwise. So yeah, capitalism did. And you have people like Zell and, and Michael Farrow come in and they think that they've got some magic ingredient that's going to make them a lot of money and save newspapers. And of course they didn't understand newspapers and they didn't know how to make money. And they thought that they could uh, get rid of all kinds of things and, and um, that we would be able to thrive. The purchase of the LA Times was uh, an overreach. Clearly, there's a whole book written about the deal from hell by Jim O'Shea, our former managing editor, wrote wrote about what a bad what a bad move that was. And so, he, yeah, that capitalist instinct. I mean, it's what started newspapers, right? Back 170 years ago, whenever newspapers really got going. We, I mean, our papers 174 years old, and 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 the goal of newspapers was always to make money. And as it becomes harder and harder to make money, it becomes you know, more and more tempting to try to cut down on what newspapers offer. I, I really don't know what the future is going to be. If you're going to have a, a company like the Tribune, if the Tribune is going to be a brand, if it's going to be something like you would um, it, it just say like Slate or Vox or, or Politico, it's just going to be something or, or Block Club, right? It's going to, it's going to be an on, basically online thing that has a little print component that comes out every once in a while. My hometown of Ann Arbor, Michigan, they've got a newspaper that comes out like three times a week. And it's basically, it's a subsidiary of MLive.com. It is this thing, print thing that gets thrown on the porches of, all, of old people. Uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, and, that, and that's the way, that's the way newspapers are going to be and, and you know, you're, and, and the readers doing the same thing, right? I mean, the readers ex- is expanding its its online footprint and trying to make money online as well. Because the readers, the readers' bread and butter all those years was the classifieds as well. Yeah. So it's, uh, yeah. I mean, I, I I basically think I agree with basically half of what you're saying. I think I think it's half true that it was capitalism, but it's also half true that it was technology that. We, we, kill, we cut down trees and then we deliver them with ink on them to your front porch 12 hours after we printed it or so. Yeah. Uh, that's a strange model in an, in an instant gratification era. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's, that's where very well put. And uh, you're right. That the thing about the old people that made me laugh out loud because it's so true. And the exa- uh, example that I love from last Thursday uh, when the uh, when Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor uh, was confronted by uh, Mayor Lori, Mayor Lori Lightfoot on the floor of the Chicago City Council, and photographs were on the front page of their exchange, were on the front page of both uh, the Tribune and the Sun Times. And of course, old guy that I am, I'm ecstatic. I take I literally I realize Eric that 
I'm probably one of 10 people <laughs> I'm exaggerating, uh, who's actually looking at the hard copy of this, uh, historic exchange on the floor of the city council. I mean, no mayor had ever left the podium to confront an alderman before. So I took pictures of it on my phone and sent it to like the relevant people that I thought wanted to see, including alderwoman Jeanette Taylor was going to be a guest on my show that day. And do you realize that nobody I sent it to had actually seen the paper? They go, oh, I didn't know that was out. You know what I mean? I'm, oh, my God. It's me. That's it. I'm the only guy in the city of Chicago subscribing to this freaking me and Eric Zorn and Ken Davis, three of us. Well, uh, you know, this is, of course, that's not quite true, but but uh, but it's there is some truth in what you're talking about, which is that, that it is a that the subscriber base is shrinking. The, the print subscriber base is shrinking and it probably will continue to shrink. Yeah. You know, we both got kids. What I got kids. Uh, my Son played basketball with your daughter, and he's 31. So Rachel's got what I mean. She's got to be about that age, right? Yeah. Oh, my God. Um, Folks, can I just say this? The first time he came on the show, he raised the subject. I didn't. Eric Zorn. Poor Eric Zorn, most frazzled youth basketball coach I've ever seen. I could still see that look on your face <laughs> and your t- kids trying to get this kid in, that kid in. You got the assistant coach. Was Ernie Tucker? Like, oh, put my kid in, Eric. <laughs> Ernie Tucker's, kid, Ernie Tucker's kid was really good, if you remember. Yeah, he wanted him. Let my Travis, kid play yeah. center. Let my kid play guard. Can I, can I play, Eric? Well, my philosophy of kids' basketball <laughs> is every kid should play the exact same amount because it's yes. like we're not trying to win the NBA yes. here. We're trying to give kids an experience. So I, I was – Kids I were like was, five to eight at the time, Eric. This is – just I know, that I, know. I know, yeah, no, I know. No, so your philosophy is the correct one. But I still wanted just, to win. But I still wanted to win. But what I'm saying, I, I brought up our kids just because, I, you know, my, my son doesn't subscribe to a newspaper. I mean, a print newspaper, certainly. Uh, yeah, my 24-year-old no. twins, they don't subscribe to newspapers. It's like, it's like that's, that is really their, their parents' technology. And, yeah. and, I, and I'm thinking that newspaper subscribers, like AM radio listeners, are probably slowly dying out. And uh, they're being replaced by, by podcast listeners and digital news readers. So. All right. So let me ask you this. I'm leading up to this. And you're free. You're liberated. I assume no matter what you say in response to what I'm going to ask you, uh, your buyout, they'll not take it away. I assume it was a lump sum. It's not being paid over time. So it's yours. You can say whatever you want. So. I'm struggling with this, Eric. In fact, I think I'm going to write a column about this. Should I continue my Chicago Tribune subscription? Should I continue? And I have my issues with the Chicago Tribune, Eric, which I won't belabor you with at this moment. Going way, way back, I have a lot of deep-seated, deep-rooted issues with the Chicago Tribune that I've struggled with. And yet I've been feeding the Chicago Tribune my hard-earned money since the 80s. Since Mike Royko went over to the Tribune. That's when I got my subscription. So... Eric Zorn, should I effectively, effectively, if I continue my subscription, instead of giving my subscription to people like you or Darlene or Johnny Cass or Steve Chapman or any of the other people, Mary Smeech, all the other people who quit instead of or took the buyout, instead of giving them the money, they're effectively keeping more of the money for themselves. Should I continue to my subscription if I'm just giving money to the Alden Hedge Fund. Eric Zorn, answer that question. Yeah, you should, at least for a while. I would like to really give these new owners a chance to show that they can put out a decent newspaper. There are so many great journalists left behind. Greg Pratt being one who's been a frequent guest on your show. 
just to name one. I mean, there's, and we have a, a really great political reporters, really great crime reporters, Will Lee. Uh, I don't want, I guess I, I'm going to stop naming people because it's going to, uh, I'll leave somebody out, but there are a lot of great people left behind who are really trying to put out a paper and, and they are relying on subscribers and customers to keep the whole enterprise going. I, I care about those people a lot and I really want to give, them a chance and I want to give the new owners a chance to put out a quality paper with that smaller staff that's remaining. Uh, so I've, I've, I've asked people to, to continue not to give up on the Tribune yet, even though it is a bit of a, of a dilemma because you can't support the Tribune without supporting the people who are, who are in charge now. And, and so it's, like I say, it's a delicate balancing act, but, but I really do. I really believe in the people who are left behind. It's they, they have really distilled down the staff to some really, uh, really talented people. You know, we mentioned um, the Rex Hupke is the only local Metro columnist, but we still have Chris Jones, who is a spectacular arts columnist. I mean, he's, he's very versatile. Uh, Rick Hogan is still writing. Uh, and we have Chris Borelli in features writing, writing great stuff. We have Rick Pearson, and Ray Long, and, and Dan Petrella covering state government. Uh, we have Meg Crapo covering the courts. You've gotten me into listing names here. <laughs> I didn't do it. I didn't do anything. I know. You started I know. Listing. I'm just, I'm I didn't just do anything. I'm, I'm riffing. By the way, yeah. the pronoun you kept using was we, we, we. I know. I know. Them. <laughs> You're liberated, man. You're not with the tribute anymore. Pronouns they and them. <laughs> I'm talking yeah. about that. Hey, about they the still tribute. have blah, blah, blah. But I, I, I get you. Yeah, I was yeah. having a long, I had a long conversation with Mary Schmeek this morning, and I kept, I kept referring in the present tense to, you know, my column and it's like i said i've got to get used to the past tense here i am an emeritus columnist so well you know uh speaking of which uh john cass the f- uh, so far right of center columnist of the tribune that he drops off the earth i gotta give him credit for this he hit the ground running he took the buyout and he uh, had a uh what is it, like a newsletter or a website up and uh, uh you know maga is loving him and giving him a lot of support uh, as they should, because he's been flying the MAGA flag for a long time. Uh, did you consider doing something like that to hit the ground running, so to speak, to automatically have a, a website up and maybe a podcast going or anything just to keep the Eric Zorn name going, uh, keeping it as current as possible? Yeah, I, I've certainly thought about that. And, and it's not out of the question that I will hit the ground at some point. I didn't I wasn't able to engineer anything to go to have a seamless transition John played his cards very close to his chest. We didn't know, we had no idea what John was doing before he told us just like the day that the news came out that he was leaving. And so he, he clearly had this in the works for a while. And I think that John was really unhappy with how he was regarded in the newsroom. He did not have many friends in the newsroom, especially after that incident a year ago when he wrote a column at the, at the union, put out a letter criticizing him over his references to George Soros. Now I think he was, he was had his foot out the door at that point. Um, and then when this buyout came along, he was able to put together a pretty nice website. I've been collecting emails. Anyone can write to me at Ericson at Gmail if they want to be on my list. And I've got about 4,000 names right now, people who want to be part of whatever I do going forward. I don't know what that's going to be exactly and how soon I can get that up and running. But again, I was you know, running through the tape as far as writing columns. I was writing columns up until Friday morning and my last, <laughs> and my last day was Friday. And, you know, it was big at, at, uh, at midnight on Friday, they turned off my email. So my tribute email, that is. Yeah. So, uh, 
and, and all the, all my access to all my programs to the Tribune all went away. So, so I didn't really give, I was like going to work really hard at what I was doing right up until the end. And now basically this week is when I'm going to start thinking about what comes next. So, yeah. All right. That's, uh, that's fair enough. And, uh, yes, I'm sorry, John Cass, but the, you should have apologized for that George Soros thing. You didn't. And uh, this is just my opinion. I mean, that's it, podcast. But you mentioned Eric. I just had to say, come on, John. You should have apologized for that. You should know better than that. You know, my me. take, you know, I don't agree with John about just about anything. And he, he and I, he and I, and he and I were never friendly. It was like we were, so we were on the same, in the same department for the last two years. And just, you know, it was just, cordial, but never, never at all friendly. So I, you know, I, I've got no personal allegiances to John. I, I don't think that he meant that reference to George Soros to be anti-Semitic. I, I really don't. I, I don't think John works that way. I don't think he, he throws out uh, a dog or he blows dog whistles like that. Uh, I, I don't think he knew. I think, I don't think he put that together. And I think that rather than, he, I mean, he was, and he reacted very angrily to that. And I can, I can, to being accused of being anti-Semitic, I understand that. On the other hand, I think the proper response to that would have been, "Look, I didn't mean that. I didn't know. I was, I wasn't. You know, this wasn't my intention. And I'm sorry if people felt that way. Um, uh, but I really, I, I, that, that's my feeling about. It. I, I don't, I don't think Johnson anti-Semite. I really don't. And, yeah. uh, uh, and I, and I, you know, I would say so if I thought so, I really would. I know John's, yeah. John's not working for the paper anymore. I'm not working for the paper anymore. Uh, we're not, like I said, we're not friends, but I don't, I don't think he's an anti semite I'm sorry. Just, you know. No, I, I don't know anything. I don't even know the dude. I mean, whatever context you have with him is many, 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 many more than I have. I'm just saying it, you just, you, you summed it up. I got so many issues with the way the mentality in Chicago, Eric, uh, and the older I get, the more I have issues with the mentality in Chicago, but there's a Chicago mentality where you don't apologize and you never wrong and you're always right. And you always punch back. And I, I, I extend the metaphor to the carnage in the street. And so like when Lori Lightfoot never apologizes, never uh, takes ownership for her rudeness when she feels like she has the right just to, get down on the floor, go walk up in Jeanette Taylor, put her finger in her face. That's so Chicago, even though she's not from Chicago, she's from freaking Ohio. And Johnny Cass, I think he's from the suburbs, but he's got that Chicago mentality. Oh, you're going to accuse me of that? Bleep you. And I just like, I, I'm with you, Eric. It's just sort of like, you know, just pause and think, hey, maybe that was really dumb of me to do that. And uh, I should rethink about the whole George Soros thing for a moment. You know, I mean, no, if you listen to people when it comes to anti-Jewishness, Eric, no one is anti-Jewish. And yet I've been exposed to so much anti-Jewish hostilities in my life. Sometimes it's not even directed at me. It'll be like I pick up on it. Like people will make comments. Do you follow what I'm saying? And yet no one is anti-Jewish. It's like, well, I was just joking or, you know, come on. Can't you grow with it? Yeah, so that's no, what I, I'm saying. Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying, there, but I just like, I don't think that when John typed George Soros's name that he was thinking of him any, as anything other than a rich liberal. 
uh, a rich foreign liberal. I, I don't, I, you know, I mean, like I guess I could be wrong. I don't know. I can't see it in anybody's heart. Uh, but I don't think he would have done that because I, I think he, just would have, he, he would have realized that it just would have been like whacking a hornet's nest for no reason. That wasn't the point of that column. The point of that column was taken off after Kim Fox, you know, and, he, and, and that was just, he was just like, she's supported by rich liberals. You know, I don't know. I, so wait, time you know, out. Do you think... I'm not saying what's in his heart. I don't know what's in his heart and neither do you or what's in his mind. Neither do you. But do you think he was uh, completely unaware that George Soros is a sort of a buzzword uh, on the uh, on the Internet for the right? Uh, and it's sort of like uh, summing up Jewish control over yeah. everything. So he do you think he was completely ignorant and unaware that he was presenting this notion that is absolutely toxic? Yeah, I do. I do. I mean, I, I now now you've got me calling him ignorant, but <laughs> okay. yeah, I, I mean, I, I'm, I'm sort of trying to stick up for him here in just this one area. <laughs> I do. I honestly think he didn't know. I really don't. I mean, no, we could, uh, you know, that's like I said, I don't know. And you don't know, but fair enough. We don't know. And, 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 you know, my politics and his could not, we could hardly be more divergent. And, uh, uh, anyway, this is not sticking up for a colleague, former, uh, or otherwise. So this is just me, how I, how I see that situation. So, but you know what, it's, it's not even to me. And before we we'll move on, it's not, to me, it's not even about politics. So it's like, I, it's like, what's, what's right. Do you get what I'm saying? So if there's people who are offended by what you wrote and you're not willing to see that there's reason they were offended, then you're putting your ego ahead of truth. I don't know what, where we're supposed to be. What, well, what are we supposed to be doing with this job? Go ahead. Well, you're putting your ego ahead of some sort of reconciliation and conversation about this. And, and I think that what you're talking about with, with Lori Lightfoot is also certainly what we saw with Trump. Trump has never, as far as I know, has never, he's never even admitted that he lost. He never admits that he's wrong. And so, you, and, and this has kind of worked for him. And I don't think it's working for Mayor Lightfoot. I, I, I feel like she, I think she badly misplayed the incident last week where she, you know, just to, to review that situation, you know, there was, there was, they were trying to get the um, uh, corporation council confirmed. It was, it was sort of a pro forma thing. And then, and then uh, Alderman Taylor uh, stood up uh, and um, Lopez, I guess the two of them, they managed to defer it for a couple of days. They were just yanking her chain. It was just, it was like a, they were just yanking her chain, trying to draw attention to the, uh, to the Anjanette Young situation. And rather than just like moving on, say, okay, well, we'll take this up. It doesn't matter. She's an act. She's acting a corporation council anyway. It doesn't look like it's going to change anything. And, but she just couldn't let that go. And she goes into the back of the room and she has this, you know, finger wagging tiff with Alderman Taylor. And I'm thinking like, what kind of leadership is this? Who does that? You know, it's just, this is like, this is like a junior high fight that she goes and pursues. And it's like, that is not, Leadership. And, and this gets to the issue that I think a lot of us were sort of concerned about when she was running for for uh, for mayor. I, I, I voted for her. I did you vote for her? I can't remember. Twice. Twice. Okay. My yeah. listeners give me such grief on this, Eric Zorn. I voted for her not once, but twice. Because as you recall, in 2019, we had 
two bites at the apple. We had the first race where there was 14 candidates and then two emerged. Let's see how your uh, long-term memory is. The two candidates were who, Eric? So for 10 trivia points. Oh, 10? I should get get like one. This is, this is easy. This is, it's Preckwinkle and Lightfoot. I was just going to say that was a dream. If you had plugged that, we would have definitely edited that out of the podcast. And and we would have had Dennis's voice going, Preckwinkle and uh, Lightfoot. Somebody else said, no, of yes, course. Yes, so I voted for her twice, yes. Yeah, no, and, and I, uh, I know there's, there, you know, I know a lot of my fellow lefties, your fellow lefties were for Preckwinkle. Uh, I, I liked the cut of Lightfoot's jib. I was concerned at the time that she didn't have any experience uh, running things. She didn't have any political, you know, the fingertip feel for politics that a, that a leader of a big city needs to have. And I think we have seen that play out in many ways over the last two years. Right now, I would not give her good odds for being reelected. Although you never, you got You can't beat somebody with nobody. And I don't know who's going to run. Oh and my you, gosh, she. You, who's going to beat her? It Stacey doesn't matter Davis who Gates. runs. Well, SDG, Stacey Davis, Davis Gates. I don't know if she's going to run. Let me just say a couple things. Number one, uh, I just got to follow up and yank her chain. To, and and I, I have to disagree with that. Uh, there were two aldermen who stood up to defer and publish and defer and publish, as Eric said, his meets postponed to the next meeting. One was uh, Raymond Lopez on the show last week. If you want to hear him, uh, you can check him out. Uh, Raymond or Raylo, as we like to call him, the 15th Ward. Uh, he was, in my humble opinion, yanking her chain. In other words, just trying to stick the needle and just trying to annoy uh, he's not a huge champion in the past of police uh, victims of police abuse. Okay, so all of a sudden, out of nowhere, my dear friend Raylo is a champion for uh, Angela Young. I believe he was uh, yanking her, or what do you guys call it? Yanking her chain. Uh, Jeanette Taylor, on the other hand, was on the show on Thursday. I do not believe she was yanking her chain. Uh, Jeanette's been on the show several times, Eric, speaking out on behalf of Anjanette Young, and she feels very strongly that a wrong was uh, perpetrated and that Lori Lightfoot, uh, at the very, Jeanette comes on the air and she says she lied. And uh, I think the low point of, in my humble opinion, get your thoughts on this. The low point, in my opinion, of Lori Lightfoot's tenure as mayor was that week or so when, uh, or those first few days when she refused to acknowledge that wrong had been done against Anjanette Young. She pretended she didn't know about it. She chastised Greg, uh, Greg Pratt. The, the Tribune reporter did a great job of reporting, pretending like he had it wrong when she had it wrong. And then all of a sudden her PR people got to her and said, uh, Madam Mayor, you're looking horrible. She did a 180, totally changed her whole tune on that. And, and uh, Jeanette Taylor has never really forgiven her for that. And she's using whatever power she has to force Lori Lightfoot to make amends with Anjanette Young by giving her a, a higher payout uh, in the settlement, which well, is really... Go ahead. Yeah, you know, I'm not saying that there that the objections to how how Internet Young's was hand the case has been handled are insincere or anything or that, or that this effort was insincere or just a yanking of the chain, but it was a parliamentary move that they knew or the, you know it was, it was just it was to needle her it was to like to remind her that this is still an issue they want this addressed and she rose to the bait so let's let's I mean maybe they weren't yanking her chain maybe they were just dangling some bait there like let's deal with this issue now i was just a reminder to you that we want to deal with this issue um so uh, but my broader point is that she is not has not shown the kind of leadership ability that you need to to navigate through some of these really delicate waters I, you know the, this whole business with the drive i mean it was just you know that 
she looked like she was going to go down to defeat on that and she was going to have to maybe issue a veto and then that veto might not it just looked like a mess and I, I don't know she seemed to let that come to let that come to a head uh and there was this the business with the elected school board where she was uh against it when she was running for mayor and then she's for it now that she or i'm sorry reverse she was for an elected school board and then when she's elected she's against it and just like things like this come up over and over again with her and um like i say i i voted for it twice also we're in the we're in the two lorry club or whatever you call it <laughs> but, but yeah. uh but it's uh you know she she has been a disappointment in that area and and uh by the way i just uh, i have to point out um to all my beloved lefties right now, there's a strike going on. Uh, uh, Cook County nurses and personnel workers at John Stroger Hospital uh, and many of the unions that endorsed wholeheartedly Tony Preckwinkle are now vilifying her uh, for uh, the hard stance that she's taken. So my position in the 2019 uh, mayoral election, for what it's worth, is that neither candidate uh, had lived the life at, we used to call, I used to call them progressives, now I call them lefties, but had never been on the front lines of progressive causes. So there was no reason, Eric, for me as a lefty to support either of them automatically. Uh, and just in my own personal experiences in that campaign, Lori Lightfoot was a lot more forthcoming than Tony Preckwinkle. Tony Preckwinkle, Eric, in that 2019 campaign, I don't know if you ever dealt with her, but trying to get to a straight answer out of Tony Preckwinkle was really difficult. You would ask her a direct question like, what color is the sky right now? And she would start talking about tulips that she had planted. It was like she just did not want to have to, you know, uh, give any kind of commitment to any position uh, before she became mayor. And because she thought, I guess that she was just going to waltz in the office because she was the best known uh, candidate and uh, she was the head of the party. And she had w w was probably could have beaten Rom in 2015. Uh, and so she learned her lesson, but yeah, that's, that's, that's why I voted uh, for Lori Lightfoot because like she told me, not literally me, but she, she said things directly that she was going to do. And one of the things she was said she was going to do was tolerate dissent in the city council and, and the concept of the Chicago city council as a rubber stamp and usher in a new age of democracy in Chicago, where we listen to one another and we respected different opinions. And just because you vote against me doesn't mean I hate you. And <laughs> that Eric, the trouncing and trampling of that concept was on full display last Thursday when she jumped off the podium and wagged her finger in the face of Jeanette Taylor. Go ahead. Well, right. Uh, the, and of course the, the issue of transparency where she ta talked about how transparent she was going to be. And then, and then with the Jeanette Young case, who clearly was not transparent. I mean, that was, that was fairly flagrant. What happened in that case where, where she said she didn't hear about it. And then we, see the emails in the background that, well, yes, she was told about this. And he can't, this is not something that you would not have paid some attention to, because that was, that was a, a startling and grotesque thing that happened. There wasn't something like, I mean, you could imagine like, oh, here's another, you know, brutality claim across her desk. This wasn't that. This was, this was a, a startling accusation, a startling event. And the video was there and the video is extremely troubling. So the idea that you would hear about that and then forget about it. I, I don't, I didn't understand that. Like what, what was going on? Who's advising her? I, I, and the turnover on her staff, I know every mayor's staff has turnover. Mayors are notoriously hard to work for. It's been, uh, I think light, a lot worse under, under Lightfoot than under previous mayors. And I, I, she's apparently very, very difficult to work for. And, and you, you need people around you 
who can tell you like, wait a sec, don't do that. Tell, you know, here's how we need to handle this. And I don't think she has people who are, who are brave enough. And, and I, I hate to link her with Trump because they're so different in so many other ways. But Trump had that same problem. Trump had Trump. People around Trump were afraid to contradict him. They were afraid mm-hmm. to tell him. And then some of the stories coming out this week about how Bill Barr dealt with Trump it, illustrate that people around Trump, just like people around Lightfoot, seem to be afraid to tell her what she needs to do. She doesn't have a, a wise counselor, a wise person who's going to tell her, like, this is this is this problem. This is the political pitfalls of it. This is how you're going to navigate here in the council. This is how you're going to get something through Springfield. I mean, she got she got uh, her butt handed to her down in Springfield over the over the elected school board. Uh, and she kept basically denying it. It was like Charlie Brown during a rainstorm. <laughs> you know? We're gonna uh, we're gonna keep negotiating this. Like, no, you've lost. You've lost. By the this. way, uh, Eric has mentioned Eric, Donald Trump twice. I'm doing a little shameless promotion tomorrow. Jim Coogan and Monroe Anderson will be coming on. We'll be taking a deep dive in Donald Trump. Uh, Eric, I don't know if you follow this. I obsessively follow litigation against Donald Trump. It's uh, one of my uh, many obsessions. And uh, you're absolutely correct. You said earlier. I wrote it down uh, that he's benefited very well by never saying that he was wrong by always going on the counterattack. He may have gone uh, too far. Uh, in this matter of litigation in the city of New York. We're going to be talking about it tomorrow. He may, I don't know if you follow this, Eric, but uh, uh, Bill de Blasio canceled a contract, the mayor of New York, uh, with Trump to take care of uh, ice skating rink, or I forget exactly what it was. Uh, and Trump is sued. So you brought, you violated that contract. And I want, you can't, you don't have the right to violate that contract, which I think Bill de Blasio does have the right to do so. But uh, it, it, neither here nor there, uh, all the lawyers I talked to are saying, uh, oh, my goodness, he's opening himself up to all kinds of interrogation, depositions, under oath. You know, uh, this is probably not a great strategy for Donald Trump to pursue at this very moment. So sometimes you can go too far is what I'm saying. You know, and, and I see a correlation, Eric. Get your thoughts on this. We, uh, again, I'm not saying John Cass is Donald Trump or Mayor Lightfoot, but I'm not going to admit I'm wrong. I won't admit I'm wrong. I won't admit it. I offended people. I'm the victim. I'm well, going to play it, that card. Yeah. And of course, in, in Trump's case, he doesn't even admit what the truth is. And he has never, he has not been deposed. And, and you know, these analysts are completely correct that if, if he gets into deposition, you can't just lie in a deposition. He lied all the time from, you know, the, from the, press room in the White House. He lied in his speeches. He's a compulsive liar, which is why I think his lawyers will be rightly terrified of him <laughs> undergoing a deposition because it's it's like he almost doesn't know. It doesn't seem to know that he's lying. It's it's so compulsive with him. And and so he's going to expose himself to perjury charges and everything else. I, I, I agree. I think it's this the legal troubles that he's going to get into, he's going to keep continue, He's going to keep claiming that this is all part of the deep state going after him. And it's going to work with some incredibly high percentage of the American public, 30, 40% of the public, the same percentage of the public that still thinks that the election was stolen from him, that, that he's got this, this unshakable core of support that thinks that he's right about everything and everybody else is wrong about everything. But, but gradually it's going to erode the kind of support that he's going to need if he's going to run again. And I certainly hope so, because I think if he is reelected, uh, or elected again, I should say, um, in in uh, 2024, uh, that would be an incredible. We were already democracies under a, a ton of threat. If he's if he is elected president again, uh, 
I will be sorry not to be writing columns about the end of uh, American democracy. <laughs> no, it'll be, uh, you know, some, listen, I take it very serious. I take the threat very serious. That's why we spend so much time with little Im- impact I have as a columnist or a podcaster. Uh, I want to use, uh, Eric, I take it very seriously what Donald Trump and his uh, MAGA is trying to do with our election laws, uh, trying to set up a situation where if they don't like the outcome of, of the presidential election 2024, they can have their cronies in government overrule them. Um, I don't know why more people uh, of the Repu- from the Republican Party are jo- joining t- uh, the forces. Uh, to, well, I do know why they're not joining the forces, because they're afraid to go against the mob. They're afraid to go against the party. And, uh, I, and I have to finish up before we uh, go any further with Trump. I think Lori Lightfoot has not damaged her reelection. And this is my uh, standard theory about Chicagoans. And I'd love to get your response to this, Eric. I believe that when she acts obnoxious, when she acts rude, when she's disrespectful to people, uh, it reinforces this notion that Chicagoans have bought into that you need a total jerk uh, or uh, asshole, as I once wrote in a column, to be our mayor, that that's the only type that can run a city like Chicago. And so if she's upsetting Alderwoman Jeanette Taylor, if she's uh, irritating uh, the Chicago Teachers Union, Stacey Davis Gates, uh, if she is got uh, Ray Alderman, Raymond Lopez upset, she must be doing something right. And so we will vote for her. Uh, I believe that's the mentality of Chicagoans. Do you agree with me or disagree with me? I think that you're right in general. I think that was uh, Rahm Emanuel's appeal, certainly, that he was the tough son of a bitch who was going to get things done. Uh, on the other hand, it depends on wh- whom you're alienating and, and, and also what the alternative is. So, you know, when you have someone who is abrasive and really in some way showing yourself not to be particularly likable, the high point for Lightfoot's mayoral, mayoral term so far was the beginning of the pandemic when there was that meme of her on the lakefront and everybody you know, is like the cutout figure of Mayor Lightfoot. <laughs> and she was, the, you know, the I'm going to turn this car around. And, uh, and and she was the one who was protecting us. And that was that was the high point of her of her mayor thing. But, but, but ever since then, she showed herself to be so thin skinned. And then the thing about about a, a mayor daily, a mayor Emanuel is that they, they may have been thin skinned behind the scenes, but they were not, they were not thin skinned in public, right? They, they took their revenge. They took their, their measure of people behind the scenes more than but out in front. You didn't see a, a mayor Emanuel going after people in public the way mayor Lightfoot went after. No, but Day, she reminds me of daily daily did it. My dear friend, Mick Dumkey could tell you the whole story. Richard M. Daly, who was elected mayor of the city of Chicago five times, I want to say, Eric, people love him. They probably still be electing him. Uh, he, when we get red in the face, get volatile, he'd go off. And he was the one who told Mick Dumkey when, uh, when Mick asked him a question he didn't like at a press conference about gun control or something, he, he picked up a musket. He said he would literally stick it up his butt and shoot it. <laughs> Little, I mean, Lori Lightfoot hasn't done anything like that yet. So I... I if, she, if, her, if her targets were the, were the media, then I think she might, she, you might be right. But, but her targets seem to be sort of scattershot around, and, and she's not making the allies in the council that she's going to be. Yeah. But again, I get back to who's going to, who is going to run again? Who is a plausible mayoral candidate to run against? Look at the field last time. Anybody in that field? Paul Vallis? Uh, I don't think he's going to wear well on a campaign. Well, you know, nobody would have predicted that Lori Lightfoot would have been a mayor uh, four years ago from now. So to ask that same question, yeah, that's true. That's it, things, true. Things have a way of evolving, and 
what we find unbelievable uh, at one point is totally believable and real to the next point. On the other um, hand, she has, she seems she's made enemies of the teachers union. Uh, and I, I know from covering teacher strikes going back that the teachers have a lot of support. People like teachers. They, they may not, they may not love everybody in the teachers union, but they like their teachers. They like the people who are uh, the men and women who are educating their children who are caring about their children who are calling at home and saying, Hey, how are things with the kid? Te- people like teachers. And so the teachers union, those strikes have had pretty good public support. Yeah. Um, and so if the teachers union it manages to get behind someone who's a plausible mayor, mayor candidate, that they are a strong force. Well, so, uh, yeah, it, it didn't work in uh, 2019. They were behind Tony Preckland because I like to tease uh, my friends at the Chicago teachers union all the time. All right. Uh, so it's been four days since Eric Zorm has been a working columnist. So I thought we would just do a little test to close the show down. Uh, uh, we're going to test him on his uh, pundit abilities. Do you lose it after four days being off? Do you lose your ability to have an instant opinion? And every I opened the show with uh, a, uh, just a, a confession, an admission that I'm I have I'm at a loss when it comes to the issue of crime and defunding the police, and I just see so much. Uh, contradictory evidence out there just find it overwhelming and i cannot omit a position that i absolutely across the board agree with but columnists and pundits are supposed to be crystal clear with their worldview so we'll see if eric zorn has lost it uh and uh in the four days off and i will say eric um just to to let you know what you're up against uh every other friday uh, our, my dear friend Ramana Hussein comes on the show and that morning I just I run down what's in the newspaper. I go, all right, Ramana, I'm going to ask you about this. I'm going to ask you about that. I'm going to, we're going to, you're going to have to have, you're going to have to say something. So I did that w- with Eric. Uh, and so I'm the topic I'm going to pick is the Chicago Blackhawks. Now I know most of my listeners are political junkies and not sports junkies. And I am not a hockey fan. So we, I don't believe we've ever discussed the Blackhawks, but right now, right now there's a very uh, horrifying story that's emerging about the Blackhawks, which is on the back pages. of It's in the sports section, Eric. It's not even in the front section. So like, I, I don't even know how aware of it. Chicagoans are, you know what I'm saying? You got to actually go to the sports section. And a lot of people don't even bother with the sports section about um, allegations of sexual assault. It's pretty shocking stuff. Uh, back in 2010, an employee of the Blackhawks was uh, allegedly sexually assaulted one of the players. And according to the stories that are coming out now, officials with the Blackhawks uh, knew about it and just kept quiet about it and buried it. Uh, and then it, not only that, but gave this employee a recommendation so he could go out and get another job and continue assaulting, sexually assaulting um, hockey players. He's been the Blackhawks have been sued by somebody who's been sexually assaulted. So Eric Zorn, if you had to write a column about this, even after four days off, what would your position be? What would your take be on this developing scandal? with the Chicago Blackhawks? Well, it would not be to forgive the Blackhawks for this. This was in 2010, which I think was a run-up to one of their Stanley Cup championships. And this was the uh, um, trainer, Bradley Aldrich. 
And the accusation was that he had, I guess, uh, he had sh- was showing pornography and masturbating in front of one of the players. The players, the, the player then went to s- some official who, who then uh, with a cup with the club who then went to the owners and they wanted to report this. And the the team allegedly, all oh, this is all allegedly, kept it quiet. They didn't they didn't do anything about it. Uh, and it may have been that they were worried about bad publicity. Right, it's it's great time of great publicity for the for the club. But I see. If, if what's alleged is true, which is, of course, what you always have to say, which, which is, you know, but if what is alleged is true, this was a horrible example of malfeasance on the part of the, of the club from not addressing this problem. And then, I mean, they're being sued twice, once by this former player, but also by by a, uh, a young man who was sexually assaulted by, by Aldrich, allegedly after he the Blackhawks gave him a recommendation and he, and he left the team. This was, this was, grotesque poor judgment on their part uh i don't know that there's a whole lot of nuance to that you can't say well you just can't say well boys will be boys they'll masturbate in front of people and you know and then threat apparently threatened the player as well he masturbated in front of him and threatened him i mean it's just it was a horrible thing and it reminds me of some of these scandals like at penn state and ohio state uh and at the university of michigan my alma mater where you have these 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 trainers people in position to to uh sexually abuse athletes and they get away with it for a really long time. There's a, I mean, the, the, the scandal at the university of Michigan, which is not a particular relevance to, to uh, your audience, but, but it, it's, it's awful. It, it, it implicates coach Bo Schembechler, the, one of the most beloved characters in the history of, of Michigan sports as, as, as brushing this off as being nothing. And, uh, and I, I don't think that you can say, Oh, it was 2010. We were letting people get away with that. There's no, there's no suggestion like that at all. This was, this was, this was awful. Uh, I don't see any any way around that. So I, I don't know if that'd be a good column because you'd just be saying shame, shame, shame. But you know, well, they don't all have to be good. They don't all have to be great columns. Yeah. <laughs> you, sometimes you have to weigh in. That's a, that's a conf- sometimes you have to weigh in. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I, I got to tell you, the part that struck me, everything. You, by the way, this is a great riff. Got to give Eric credit. Uh, so you haven't completely lost it, Eric, in four days, okay? Assuming, assuming I had it in the first <laughs> you're very generous, very generous. So the part that just got me shaking my head, and it, this has become routine now. Uh, the Chicago Blackhawks, 11 years, if you believe the allegations, 11 years ago, Somebody came to the Blackhawks with the shocking evidence of the sexual assault going on right in front of them. And they didn't do anything about it. That's the allegation. Okay. So the Blackhawks have now hired a law firm and a former federal prosecutor to investigate. We're going to get to the bottom of it. I'm like, dude, you're the, they're investigating you. It's like either you knew it. Or you didn't know it. What? What? <laughs> what? You know, and I, I see this, Eric. It's like happening or more. Lori Lightfoot did it with the Anjanette Young. Remember that one? I'm going to hire a federal, former federal. They always get these like former federal judges or prosecutors. This former federal judge is going to investigate what I knew and when I knew it about Anjanette Young. What? Why don't you just tell us? I can see the column forming right now, Eric. This is how a columnist mind works. Uh, don't you find that like, I know like the main story is the alleged sexual assault and the cover up, And this is a minor irritant. 
I get it on, on my, my behalf that this game that powerful people play where you do the investigation, you hire someone to investigate yourself, your response to that. Well, it's clearly an attempt to find an, an excuse or explanation that allows you to keep your job and keep your reputation, right? I mean, well, what other reason is there to do it? The Blackhawks, 11 years too late, decide they're going to investigate this. Uh, what are they hoping to find? They're hoping to find like, well, yeah, some people knew about it, but but the, the, the major people didn't know, but didn't, it didn't come to their attention. I, I mean, what else could they be hoping to find? Because they know, they know, again, this is one of these things where this is not, this is not one of these like, uh, oh, somebody has been stealing popcorn from the, one of the concession stands kind of problems. This is, this is a huge thing in 2010. It's a huge thing in 2021, but it was a huge thing in 2010. So they, either they knew about it, or they didn't, and they know whether they knew about it or not. And it looks it looks like a, an attempt to find some way to whitewash it. I can see. Look at he's already got it, folks. Now he's ready to write that column. When this show is over, you're going to hit a clickety clack of that typewriter. Call the Tribune. Is it too late? Is it too late? Can I come back? I got one more. I got one more column to write. I got to write about this. Oh, great. Eric's blast talking to you, man. And uh, the only good thing about you uh, stepping down, well, for me, is that there's probably more time you have to uh, dedicate to my show. Uh, and um, so uh, you passed your audition as far as I'm concerned. Well, well thanks. I, I, you, 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 know, you mentioned your segment with Romano, which I, I'm a faithful listener to that segment and also your your weekend review segment and as much else as I can listen to. I'm, I'm a real... Uh, fan of your show and it's an honor to be on it well uh i'm gonna um by the way dennis is gonna take that little bit and we're gonna play it over and over endlessly uh a bit of self shameless self-promotion but thank you very much and yes uh uh it's uh the romana the romana rundown which is every other week now uh, where i throw those uh challenges at her every week see what she comes up with uh, and sometimes she throws them back right at me. So uh, anyway, Eric, like I said, the only good thing out of you uh, leaving the Tribune as far as I'm or the, the best thing is that you have more time for the show and definitely bring you back. And I think uh, you have convinced me to continue my subscription with the Tribune. And when you said Gregory Pratt, that kind of sealed the deal because I think he's done, he does an outstanding job. Uh, covering City Hall, he's fearless, uh, and I love Horthon. You know, you start listing people; it's like you're, yeah, you're right. It's like you're, you know. Uh, who, so I don't want. Yeah, who am I forgetting? Yeah, yeah. But, and then they call. I mean, oh, they, you didn't remember me? Uh, yes, exactly. And, and then, of course, behind the scenes, there are. I mean, not behind the scenes so much, but there are photographers and design people and editors who stayed behind who are also first rate. And uh, again, I, it's like I, I'm. I'm supporting them. I want to support them. I want them to do well. I want, and I think our city needs a strong Chicago Tribune. It needs a strong Sun-Times. It needs a strong Cranes. It needs a strong Block Club, BGA, Tribe, all those news sources uh, all need to be strong because there's so many bastards out there who want to you know, cheat and lie and steal and take our money and, and all that. So uh, we got to hope, we got to hope that the media and all the, all the broadcast media too, that they all, they all got to stay strong because we got to keep an eye on things. Speaking of lists that were not complete, we're going to have uh, Dennis editorially insert the name reader and that list of publications that Eric said are important to the. <laughs> De- definitely the reader. Definitely the reader. Uh, all right, Eric. Oh, by the way, uh, let folks know where they can get a hold of you if they want to be on your mailing list. Uh, and when you do move on to your next venture, I know you will move on to something because you got a lot of uh, writing years left in you. 
where they can find uh, the information. So give them whatever the basics are. Just uh, uh, ericzorn at gmail.com. I have a bare bones website at ericzorn.com. But uh, just write to me at ericzorn at gmail and I'll uh, I'll hook you up. All right. Very good. Uh, On our show, we call him Easy. Uh, Easy Eric Zorn. Thank you very much, uh, Eric, for coming. We call you Easy because you sign your emails, Easy. Hence the nickname, Easy. (laughs) So Easy Eric Zorn. Uh, Eric, thanks so much for taking time to come on and uh, talk to us. Uh, And uh, I also want to thank the man, the myth, the legend, the pride of joy of Alton, Illinois, without whom this show would be possible. Uh, And as Eric Zorn will tell you, back home in Alton, they call him White Lightning. Give yourself a raise. Take it out of petty cash. See you tomorrow, everybody. sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question.